Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, I want to um, take the opportunity today to share a key. I've really just felt the Lord speaking to my heart uh, this week. And uh, to be fair, a little bit of a wrestle, you know? You know the old wrestle, Jacob who wrestled with the Lord? Uh, Sometimes when the Lord speaks, we wrestle um, to not only take hold of it, but to get it right into our spirit. And you shouldn't be afraid that if you hear the word and it just kind of bounces off like galvanised tin roof, it just seems to be impervious, then you shouldn't shouldn't be surprised sometimes because there's the odd thing, times in your mind you, you think, hold up. I think there was something to that. And you let it settle down into the, into the soil of your heart. And I, I want to share a key with you today. I know you're like, oh, I'm not another key. I hear about these keys. No, I, if I said to Dave or someone here, I've got a key to a Porsche. Some people pronounce it Porsche. Some people Porsche. Uh, but either way, you know what I'm talking about. You would be excited. Maybe even a Toyota today. You'd be excited about a Toyota. If it's a hybrid, definitely. <laughs> That petrol's ridiculous. And, and if I said, here's the key, you'd be like, oh. And then you'd be holding on to it. And then you'd be saying, which one is it in the car park? Hoping it's not a 1987, you know, hybrid, which is like a hybrid between petrol and pushing. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hybrid. And, um, but I want to give you a key just as precious. A, a key may be more precious. And it comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12 is how this key is put. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, that the sin that so easily entangles, we want to get rid of that, to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for each one of us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross for us, despising the shame, and he has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to talk about looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. It's a key. My father, John Heslop, he's a very conservative man. Very conservative. He's reasoned and measured. In fact, the other week I was talking to a pastor friend who found out that I, he was my dad. And he said, oh, John Heslop, he's your dad. He knows my dad. And he said he is a, such a kind and wonderful man. And, and I actually can't recall a single time my dad ever raised his voice at us. Four boys. He must be a saint. Regarding my mum, I can't remember a single time she didn't raise her voice. <laughs> and um, all things considered, I may be a little more like my mum than my dad. And my daughter said amen. It was out of this conservative nature, my dad that he trained us boys how to be great boaties. All my brothers know how to boat. Is that how you say? Seaworthy, seafaring people. Um, And I grew up boating. My dad grew up boating. His dad was a boat builder. Uh, In his spare time, he built launches on the front lawn. and So I was in our blood, and if there's anything, there's anything that he taught me, I mean, there's a number of practical things, but there was one thing that has stuck with me ever since I was young, learning how to be a boatie, that, that I hold on to this day to, and it's, and it's learning to look for the weather. Learning. My dad just said he was so conservative that before met service or apps, any hint of something, he'd just like opt out. 
And we can, like even today, when we go boating, we can be enjoying the day. And even before I start, I'll say, hey, Becca, I'm going to go for a quick drive up the hill. So I go for a drive up the hill and just look out and see if Met Services predicted it correctly. Then we can be launching the boat. And I've got one eye on launching and like setting up and I've got a, some kids who park the trailer and, and, but I've got another eye still on the weather. Is it still doing what it said it was going to do? And then um, when we're boating across to wherever we're going, I've got one eye on the conditions and the task and the other just looking across the horizon. When we're barbecuing on the beach because we've done all the wakeboarding we can do and, and you know, burnt more fossil fuel than we ought to. <laughs> Amen. But all the vegans are saving it for us, so it's all good. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I'm barbecuing, but I'm looking out. And the reason is because a number of times this habit, my conservative father has taught me, has saved our bacon a couple of times. And we'd been up the Abel Tasman one day and I saw a massive front brewing that was not forecast. And so I told everyone, pack up right now. And within four minutes, we had everything in the boat and we were going. And then a 30-knot wind blew up behind us, rolling ocean behind us, not very uh, awesome. And basically, if we'd stuck around any longer, we wouldn't have even got the boat off the beach. And, and uh, another time too, similar. Um, that time we actually nearly sunk the boat. But, but just having your eye on the weather, just your eye on the weather. Just, oh, that, even when we um, come in from boating, I'll often be driving from the ramp and people who are driving me with me will hear me say, oh, yeah, that breeze is now kind of building a bit, isn't it? And um, I think that it confirms I am now an old man. And I need to go home and watch Coronation Street. <laughs> but it's so, it saved my bacon so many times looking, just looking, just looking beyond what I'm doing, looking beyond what's going on right now in that moment. And that's a key that we often forget about with our Lord Jesus. The, the most simple keys are typically the ones we need reminding of the most. That's true. That was worth a good amen. The simple ones. We're always trying to grasp for the new thing and the, you know, oh, give me something I don't know. No, it's actually what you do know that you need to be reminded of. Hebrews 12 is exactly this. Looking unto Jesus. One translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Some of our eyes need fixing because they're broken. Because we look everywhere else. We look to everything else. But this whole thing, Hebrews 12, is often a passage that people hold in isolation, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But Paul, who wrote this letter to those, those believers, new believers, new disciples in, in this Hebrew um, section of, of writing, they had left the Jewish tradition. Many of them, for doing so, were ostracized from their own parents and family, cut off from inheritances. Some lost their businesses. Others lost jobs because they confessed this faith in this person, Jesus Christ. In fact, if you study Hebrews, you'll find that at the very time this is being written, many of their friends who were followers of him were being murdered for their faith. So that's the context in which the book of Hebrews is written. And so when in Hebrews 12, he's saying, hey, come on, throw off. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses throw off the weight and the sin because we've, we've got a race to run here. There's a purpose to what you're doing here. It's not purposeless. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that's the context. That is the context of the scripture. In, in Hebrews 10, it had actually started by saying, hey, 
recalling, verse 32, the former days in which you were illuminated. That's what happens when Christ touches your life with his truth. You become illuminated. You endured a great struggle. If you're here today and you're struggling in your faith, you're in the right race. If you're struggling with the things of God, you're in the right race. If you think it's always just meant to be easy and breezy and, and, and cheesy, <laughs> it's not applicable, but it's, you're, you're in the wrong race if you think this thing has got no battle to it. But he went on to say that with great struggle and sufferings, for yet a little while, he who is coming, speaking of Jesus, he won't delay. Now the just shall live by faith. He's saying all your friends are being killed, your jobs are going, your, the, the powers are up against you. Have faith. So what does he do next? Hebrews 11. He talks about what faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of the things you're not seeing right now, but that you can see by faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. All that creation that you enjoy and that benefits you was formed by God out of his spoken word. Ruby talked about his hands that got messy for us, creating us. That's what actually was an evidence of faith. For what is seen is made out of the things which are invisible. Now he goes on to say this, Abel, he brought a faith offering to God out of faith that pleased God. Enoch walked with God in a way where God took him off. He didn't even die. Noah builds an ark for God by faith. Abraham obeyed God and went out into the unknown to become what God had said he would become if he just believed him. Sarah, who couldn't have a baby, had faith. Even after the false start and trying to help God out. By the way, side note, Try as little as you can to help God out. <laughs> Humans trying to help God, that becomes messy. It becomes broken down. Do everything you can just to believe God and do what He says to do. <laughs> but still, Sarah, even in the pickle and in the mess, she actually obtained the promise. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Israel, Rahab, a prostitute, Gideon, Barak, Samson, not Obama, a different one, Jephthah, David, Samuels, and all the prophets had faith. And then chapter 12, the passage I read to you about looking to this Jesus, starts by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, but take the first three words, therefore, since we, because we've talked about your problems and your pressures, we've talked about the wrestle, we've talked about Abraham and about Moses and about Isaac and all the heroes that you elevate, but what about us? What about us? Not, not in a, um, what was that weird singer who was like, what about me? It isn't fair. Not that. It's, it's what about us now? We're on this journey. The baton has been passed to us. So you're carrying right now the baton of faith for your generation. So, so what about us? What about us? In one translation, in the kingdom translation, it, it says, Therefore, we also. In other words, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Flip. That's amazing. We can lay aside the weight and the worry and the concern and the fear and the sin that holds us back. We've got a race to run. So what about us? We're looking to Jesus. In other words, he said, you can be a hero of faith to your own generation. You've actually been called to be an Abraham, to be an Isaac, to be a Moses, 
to be a Jacob, to be a Sarah, to be whoever it is that made a mark on their generation. In other words, hey, you follower of Jesus, under pressure, under strain, under struggle, look to me. Look to me, Jesus says. I know there's a lot of other things going on right now, but look to me. There were heaps of songs growing up in church with this theme in it. I feel like we need to bring some back. I feel like some people might need to write some songs about it. We used to have, um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Anyone old enough to know this? Look full in his wonderful face. Very nice voices there. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Very good. Do you guys remember this one? It came, the writer I, I researched, it's a little bit of study, wrote out of Psalm 27.4. David, who is this king, warrior, ruler of a nation, this was his request, one thing I've asked for God, one thing I seek after. He had riches, he had influence, he had power, he had signs, wonders, miracles of his time. He had a voice that would guide him. All that I want to do is I want to dwell in your house, God, and I want to gaze upon the beauty. A man, a warrior wrote that. A friggin' beast. Translated friggin's an emphasis of very much a beast. <laughs> to inquire in his temple. We, that song that was written out of that verse was this one. When I look into your holiness, I'm playing bass and snare. When I gaze into your loveliness, anyone know this one? When all things that surround me become shadows in the light of you. There is a second verse, and it's quite beautiful. Two, three. When I found the joy of reaching your heart, when all things there through up thrilled in your love, sorry, gotta to stick to the lyric. When all things that surround me become shadows in the light of you. So he's been looking, gazing. What's the next step? I worship you. I worship you. The reason I live. Is to worship you. You know the reason why we struggle to worship sometimes? Thank you very much. I'm here all week. <laughs> Do you know the reason we struggle to worship? Is we haven't looked on him. You, you can't come into a Sunday and just start, Oh, Lord, I worship you. Just cut it out. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. There is a... Pro there is a process to worshipping God. It's that you actually aren't on autopilot saying, this is what Christians do, y'all. Worship is going, I have found nothing better in all of my days. I have never seen anything better. I've never experienced anything. And how did that start? I don't want to be gross. I don't want to be crass, but I'm going to be. When I started dating Rebecca, I remember at seven looking at her and thinking, she is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll like quite a lot to marry her. Seven. Maybe clinically weird. <laughs> well, it became a pursuit. 
And, 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 and I, I made a pact with myself because it wasn't looking good at 16 or 17, looking bad. She didn't want anything to do with me. You ask her, she prayed against ever dating me. Because, because I, told her, I told a friend when I was 15, I told a friend that I was going to marry her. And my friend told her and all the youth leaders. The youth pastor at the time, Paul McDonald, made an appointment with me and said, hey, I'm hearing the stuff you're saying about her. She doesn't, she doesn't like it. You need to stop. And I'd probably do that too. But the problem was, I saw something beautiful. So I saw something amazing. It started with a look, didn't it? And, and it was an innocent look. I was seven years old. So anyway, the pact I made, because the youth pastors talked to me, she's praying against it. As I said to her, Lord, even if she marries someone else, but at 65 or 70, her husband gets run over by a car. <laughs> wow, I'm serious. I am, to- I am not lying. I said, Lord, I will save myself until that day. Or if it's your will that I marry someone else and we have a child, I'll, I, will, I will call, the child will be called Rebecca. Now that was getting real, that was getting weird. But where did it start? It started with a look. As you, our worship, I wouldn't say I worship Rebecca, but I would say that I, there's something about her even today. That I tell people whose marriage is in trouble, um, look again. Don't announce it, don't post about it, just stand in the kitchen and look across. And when I stand and I look across at her, again, not being crass, not being gross, I'm reminded of the wonder. I'm reminded of why I pursued. So your worship is pursuit of God, of who he really is. We're gonna get an awful shock in eternity of just how holy, how wonderful, how glorious he really was, but that we always dimmed down. What's the answer? Start looking, start looking, start looking to him, looking unto Jesus. Four things happen when we look to Jesus. Number one, salvation and healing. In Numbers chapter 21, the children of Israel were being bitten by poisonous vipers in the desert as they went to their promised land. It actually caused death. They were poisonous. They were were very, very deadly. And the vipers actually represent sin and the effects of it in our lives. So what did the Lord do? The Lord told Moses in Numbers 21 verse 8, make a snake, put it on a pole, and lift the pole, and whoever has been bitten by these vipers, so you just got attacked in the desert, you've got to go out and you look at the snake on a pole, and they will live. And guess what? It worked. When, all, when they were bitten, and when the pole was lifted up, anyone who looked at the pole, the poisonous venom went from their bodies and they survived. Yeah. This is just a foreshadow of what happened when Jesus Christ was on that great pole and became sin for us. He became the image of a snake on a pole because he became sin. He who was sinless, out of great love and devotion for us, took on sin that we may become righteous. But I want to hear them together so we'd be saved and healed. In the West, we're removing salvation and healing too much. We think they're two separate things. They are not two separate things. They are Siamese twins. If you can believe that Christ has forgiven you and has given you new life, you can believe for healing. And what's the answer? Striving for healing? Trying to get the healing? Trying to, oh, I've got to get the healing? No, look to the pole. Look to the one who was on it and you will be saved and healed. Come on. That's how healing flows. That's how blessing flows. That's how you get saved and forgiven and released. That's how demonic oppression ends. 
That's how suicidal tendencies can end, not by focusing more on what is casting you down, but look up to Jesus. The stream of heaven, I've found in my life, the stream of heaven begins to flow. Number two, the second thing that happens is we will start to walk on in possibility. This is a word for someone here today. What a surprise Peter must have got in Matthew 14, watching Jesus walk on the water. Watching. All Peter did was watch. Jesus is the miracle walk on water dude. Like, like he does that stuff. That's what he does. No one else does. But out of looking at this and watching this, Peter says, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come. And Jesus goes, come. Come on then. And Peter, from looking at Jesus, that's all he's done, gets out of the boat. He's just gazing at Jesus. And the Bible says, witnessed by people, he's walking now, Peter, on water. But what happens? It's a stormy night when this goes on. Meaning you can walk with Jesus in a storm and his sight starts to get captivated by the waves and the wind and the storm. And what does it say? Fear entered his heart. And he began to sink. But isn't God good that Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him? And what did he say to him? Oh, you of little faith. I would disagree. I would say that's not little faith. Do you know what faith actually is? It's just a response. Again, similar to what I said before, worship a response to looking to something worth ship, worthy of. Faith is a response to someone doing something outside of your box, your paradigm, your possibility. If you face impossibility, if you face difficulty, if you face something that maybe in your family you feel bound by your family history, if you feel like your mistakes have ruled you, if you feel like actually what you've done is containing you, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Ruby was telling you about painting. What she's painting is a house that she's just brought. She's 21 years old and she's just purchased a house. And I'm really glad that she's done it because in her generation, there's a lot of concern about whether it's possible. She got two no's from the bank. This could not be possible. You're single, you're on a single income, can't be done. Two from the bank. And that's even with us wanting to back her to do it. Anyway, she comes into our bathroom not that long ago, our ensuite, and we're getting ready for bed, which annoys me when this happens, but you can do it again if you want. And she comes in and she just pours her heart out. She pours her heart out and she goes, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to buy a house. She'd saved over four years as a big enough deposit, very disciplined. And um, she says, out of her heart, this is never going to happen. I don't, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. She begins to cry. Rebecca's in the ensuite. I'm in our bedroom. And, you know, typically speaking, guys want to fix stuff, right? And wives get mad with the guys who try to fix stuff. Stop trying to fix it. But I just, as she just said, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I just said something real simple to her. Ruby, Ruby. Nothing's impossible for God. But it feels impossible. But the banks even said it's never going to happen. Two times. Yeah, but Ruby, you've got to understand there's always a way with God. With God. I didn't say with SBS. I didn't say with me. I, I said with God. Yeah, but, but how's it going to happen? I'm on my own doing this thing. No, Ruby, Ruby, nothing's impossible. You've got to get it settled in here, irrespective of what's going on. Nothing is too hard for God. That's all we said. We didn't even have a prayer time, okay? 
Three days later, Rebecca gets a text from her sister-in-law. Her brother and sister-in-law in London have a rental property in Nelson. Out of the blue, three, four days later. Hey, not sure if this text will make sense, but are any of your daughters looking to buy a property? So we were like, shivers, okay, um, maybe. So we went round to check it wasn't like an absolute bombsite. And Ruby's like, okay, I, I, let's try. So we reapproached the bank. And this time, approaching them just with the sense of, hey, we want to have one, another go at this and see if we can do it. So the answer is pretty similar, but I said, cool, just process it. Let's just see. So they process it. And we're asking the question, and, and we submit everything like we had before. But this time, it comes back with, hey, we think actually we can do something. Even though interest rates have gone up, even though the situation hadn't really changed that much, what had changed? One conversation in our ensuite where I said out loud, there's always a way with God. Nothing's impossible for God. God can make a way. If you start to say God can make a way, there's always a way with God. You know, this church can impact this entire region for Jesus Christ. Why do I know this? Because nothing's too hard for God. That your family member can get saved and touched and healed. There's always a way with God. Cancer can be totally eradicated by Jesus because there's always a way with God. Nothing's impossible for Him. The challenge is, can we look to Him? And you'll be walking on water in no time. The third is this, that we'll know exactly where to go and what to do because Jesus said, but the help of the Holy Spirit who I'll send, He will teach you all things. Okay? I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. That's not my goal. But I already worked out when my kids were younger what I would say if I was going to die. And you might think that is a really weird thing to think. I just care about them so much that I thought about their faith all the time. I thought, okay, I, I'm praying and believing they have their own faith. So I made a little speech. It was called um, End of My Life Speech. Now, I've shifted the marker to 135. When I'm 135... And my kid, no one's got faith for that? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say this to my kids, their kids, their kids, and hopefully they would have heard it enough. And it was just this thought that even if, I, if when they were very little, I had, I had died or was going to die. This is what I decided I needed to leave with them. Just keep looking to Jesus. Just keep following him. That's it. There is nothing else. They would know by nature his word is important to that. They would know that being part of community of faith is important to that. But just keep looking to Jesus. That's all that really, really matters. And, and I want to say this, that it's more than just a good kind of end of your life tip. It's a great way to live. Because if you are following Jesus, how can you follow someone you're not looking to? How can you follow someone that you're not even noticing? Come on. Look to him, and then you'll follow him. He'll teach you everything you need to know, and he'll direct you exactly where you need to go. Finally, and the band can join me, is that joy will fill our hearts. Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What does it say? For the joy set before him. There is so much joy in the presence of the Lord. Paul wrote and described it as ecstasies and intimacies. Joy is like intimacy of the heart. I'm coming in for a landing, don't worry. Charles Spurgeon 
the young prince of preachers, had a global following in 1855. He was 19 years old. People were traveling everywhere to come and hear this young preacher preach. He was filling these concert halls and preaching the gospel, and God was just doing something very, very unique, even at the time of Wesley, similar as well. And it's where Jesus was exalted and his word was lifted up, and what he said was like, that goes, and just the simplicity of faith. But you know that the thing that Spurgeon got criticized for the most? Do you know what it was? That he would preach so much about the smile of Jesus. The smile of Jesus was what religious people, abs- they would put, they'd take out news articles speaking against this preacher who had the audacity to say that Jesus smiled. We've been to just enough church services, you know, that had just sanitized enough that we've wiped the smile right off his face. Why do children want to be around him? Why do people flock to him? He wasn't just a good preacher. There was something in him. When you look to Jesus, it's one of the last things you expect to see is a smile. Because often we look to him in challenge or trial or trouble and we're stressed out. We're trying to be earnest and sincere. But I want to propose to you Would looking at the Mona Lisa be any more precious if you pouted and acted super serious? No, not at all. It's the object to which we look to, which is in and of itself the wonder. And I don't and you don't need to make Jesus any more majestic, any more lovely, any more radiant, any more glorious, any more kind, any more loving, any more powerful, any more mighty, any more anointed or benevolent. He is all those things and so much more. And when you gaze upon Him, (laughs) the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Yeah. And so there's a couple of people in the room even saying, now, how do I do it? I, I can't see Him. You'll be glad about Jesus' words to Thomas then. Because you've seen me, Thomas, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen me and have believed. He knew we'd be not seeing the physical Jesus, but in our hearts, through his word, through his spirit, we would see him. How do you look to Jesus? It's considering him, being curious about him, getting to be with him. Go for a walk with him. I, I love doing that. Knowing he died for your sins. Knowing he died for your sins is looking to Jesus. Knowing he was resurrected, that's looking to Jesus. That's what it means. Knowing he cares about you in the detail of your life, that is looking to Jesus. Knowing he's given you his spirit, that's looking to Jesus. Reading the word of God. As soon as you read it, to look to to see Jesus, that's looking to Jesus. Meeting with other believers, that's looking to Jesus. Serving their needs, giving them a glass of water in His name, helping them out, believe it or not, that is looking to Jesus. Looking at Him on the cross, bleeding and dying, that that knowledge, that's looking to Jesus. 
When you pray, that's looking to Jesus. When you ask Him to help you, the Bible says in Jeremiah or Isaiah, I can't remember exactly where, but God actually is blessed when you ask for His help. When you pour out your heart to Him and worship, that's looking to Jesus. When you rest in Him and you're still, be still and know that I am God, that's looking to Jesus. When in the, in the face of bad news, troubling situation, shall I even say this? Teenage kids saying, hey, nothing's impossible for God. There's always a way. He can make a way where there is no way. Our God is a miracle God. He's a miracle worker. That's looking to Jesus. It's considering eternity because He stands at the end of the race with His arms open wide, ready to embrace you, to say to you, what a challenging journey you've had, but I'm so glad you stuck it out. Here is your reward. So the call today is simple. Let's come back to the simplicity of looking to Jesus. Let's do it every day. Let's just in some way look to Him, consider Him, think about Him, be curious about Him, open your Word again. And what's gonna happen? The author and the perfecter of your faith is gonna shoot jet fuel into your spirit. And you are going to walk on water. (laughs) You're gonna see healing and salvation. You're gonna see joy flood your heart. Yep. And you're gonna know exactly what to do and where to go. Because He's the one that you are following in Jesus' Name. Can I hear a good amen? I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna um, ask God to come and to give us a special anointing to be able to do this. I wanna ask everyone to stand to your feet as we come to a conclusion. And we're gonna um, take a moment here. Um, what are we gonna sing, guys? You guys notice how young this team is? And Dave's there as well, have you noticed that? It's so good to see young people, eh? Serving God. So good. What are we singing? Yeah, awesome. Okay. So we are going to sing a worship song to the Lord. Oh. I want to I want to just do a couple of things as we're about to do it. So if you want to, I see a, people, a couple of people already fixing their eyes on Him. And that's what you want to do. Uh, Paul Fox, I saw you this morning and I just had this impression that God is going to pour out on you a fresh anointing to serve like never before. Servant of the Most High. Already your ministry stretches beyond what you could have ever, ever imagined and you can't even see. Whenever a person blesses a person, that blessed person multiplies, becomes a blessing to others. That's how ministry multiplies. It doesn't have to just come at the, the, the touch of our hand. But as I walked across the car park, across the road, I saw you, Paul, and I, and I just saw that statement, here is a servant of the Most High. And um, I want you just to come over here. I want to pray for you. Um, I just pray, Lord, for Paul, that he would actually right now know fresh life, fresh air, fresh strength coming into his spirit today and that you'd do miracles by his hand and you would actually open his eyes again there's been things that you've prayed for and asked and, and you, you're confident, but you're not sure. It's like the confidence, that, that's a weird thing. I can feel it in your spirit that a wrestle has gone on. But I, I believe that God is gonna cause you to rest 
and see. So Lord, I pray you release strength and life and it serve you, God, because you've called him and you've appointed him. So fill his life, I pray, with grace in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Just looking to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. in this place. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord and let's just, from our heart today, just appreciate, let Him know we appreciate Him. We appreciate being with you, Lord, here. If you're new, first time to church, you can just close your eyes. I believe the Lord's going to touch you right now. I believe He's already began. But just those of us, we just come to meet with the Lord, you know. I don't want to cut this off too soon that we know that, hey, we came to meet with Him. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We pursue you, God, because we're looking to you. And what we see is wonderful. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Well, I pray there be an ascension of people's hearts and lives right now. A people marked by you, a people touched by you. We've never seen anything more wonderful. Lord. Let's see kindness in your eyes, Lord. Let's see the smile of the Lord Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website 